Second Chronicles chapter 5, um, verses starting in verse 7 through 14. Verses uh, 7 through 14, Second Chronicles 5, 17 through 14. Thank you for passing this out, by the way. Um, we're talking about, and, and you're going to see how this relates to you and I in our life and, and our lives and our homes and our relationships and, our, and all that we do, our work, our ministries. The temple of the Lord was filled. And so Second Chronicles 5, 7 through 14. The priest then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and covered the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends extended from the ark and could be seen from in front of the inner sanctuary. But not from the outside of the holy place. They, were still, they are still there today. Verse 10. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. Then verse 11. These, these are some key parts now. The priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. Verse 12. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Haman, Jedithan, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen, playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpet cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices in the praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, verse 14, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Father, would you open our minds today? Would you open our spirits to the Word? Lord, if we're tired, if we're worn out, if we need help, would you just wake us up spiritually, physically, emotionally, and let us hear and be refreshed today because of the Word, because you want to fill us with your glory. You want to fill every person up with goodness and power. You want to meet needs, but you want us to be a blessing to those around us. So now, Lord, I, your servant, humble myself, and I'm asking that the Word becomes alive to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, can you imagine this sight? Okay, so Solomon, the priest, they, 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 it says that they, they, they sacrificed so many animals they lost count. It took over seven years. Let me just read some of these stats, okay? It's, it says this, The building began in Solomon's fourth year as king. 100,000 general laborers put this project together under the direction of 330 foremen. At various sites, 80,000 stonecutters meticulously prepared the giant blocks to be put in place. And after seven years of construction, uh, the, the final touches were completed and its glorious, this glorious place of worship was set up. And if you think about this, many, many theologians believe that one, once they set up the temple, that there was at worship 24-7 in there. 24 hours a day, someone was in there worshiping. They were worshiping the Lord. And so imagine that. And so now when Solomon sets this up, the glory of the Lord comes down. Can you imagine right now in church, if we're here... And all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord just comes down on us. So I'm like, what does that mean? What, what is that? The presence of God comes down in this and, and overwhelms us to the point that we're refreshed. We're renewed. You see, this happens a couple times in Scriptures. And later on, which I'm going to refer to, it, is in the book of Acts. It, do you notice that 120 priests were in the inner area? And in the book of Acts, chapter 2, 120 believers were in the upper room. And the glory of God came upon all of them. 
And it, it, it didn't just come and go. This time it came on them and stayed in them and they went out and they changed the world. You see, so, so many times our faith becomes what? Stagnant, right? Our, 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 our Christianity just becomes a, a thing that we do. And God says, man, I, I want it to be more. I want to abide with you. I want to live with you. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. I want to strengthen you. I want to fill you with my presence. Because, as I say, this world sucks life out of us, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you, your, your job, it sucks the life out of you, right? Your schooling, your community. Sometimes it's sad to say this, but your family sometimes sucks the life out of you, right? None of your family here, right? I mean, look at your face. Not you. That's cousin so-and-so or aunt so-and-so, right? But, but you see, life can be consuming. And God doesn't want you to be consumed by life. He wants to fill you up. He wants His glory to be upon you everywhere you go. Amen? And so if you listen today, let's talk about this because God desires to do all of you. So let me talk about it from the historical point just for a few minutes and put some relationship with us and then talk about how we can allow God's glory to fill us every day. Amen? So you can be a better student, a better single person, a better spouse, a better grandparent, a better child, a better doctor, a better lawyer, a better cook, a better soldier, a better teacher. Better Whatever you're doing, whatever you do, God's presence can go with you everywhere you go. Isn't that exciting? This is the only faith where God's, God's presence came to the temple and it was evident to everyone. You can look through the different religions. It never happened anywhere else. So God is God. Amen? He wants to dwell with us. So the first thing, preparing for the glory of the Lord, letter A, the priests withdrew from the holy place. It says that they brought, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Some of you do. Now, I'm going to just help some of you out, okay? If you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was God's signature to them. I, this is me with you, okay? This is my sign that I have a covenant with you. You are my chosen people. Now, how many of you saw Indiana Jones... You know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's a pretty good picture of what the Ark of the Covenant looked like. It's not, it's not exact. And so, so, so they brought the Ark back into the temple because it was in a tabernacle. Solomon builds this temple. David wanted to build it, but it had to be Solomon. So he builds it. And then verse 11, 2 Chronicles 5.11, The priest then withdrew from the holy place. The holy of holy was the inner place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves. So this is the final act. This is the apex of finishing the temple. They, the priests, they, they, have, they can't touch the, the ark. You know, remember, they have these long poles. The poles stick out. They put it into the Holy of Holies and they leave. They withdraw. There's significance to that, okay? What is that significance? You're asking, what is it? When they withdraw, they're saying, God, we're putting you in the rightful place. You own this temple. You are in the Holy of Holies. And so the Ark of the Covenant is also a representation of Jesus Christ. He is the new covenant. And what they were doing, they are putting the ark in the heart of the temple. Are you catching this now? Jesus comes into where? Your heart. And so what happens is when they withdrew, they said, God, we give you possession of the temple. When you surrender your life to Christ, you're saying, God, I'm giving you, I'm surrendering my heart, I'm withdrawing, and I'm giving you permission to dwell in my heart and my soul. Isn't that awesome? So we have a new covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. His name is Jesus. And so all must come out so the rightful owner can take possession. And you see, God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. Isn't this awesome? He is the only God. There's only, there's only one God, right? And He wants to live with you in your Holy of Holies, your heart. Everywhere you go, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're, when you're on the crazy beltway, 
Wow, I had an experience this week. I bless all of you who have to do that. I had to drive from Urbana into uh, Fort Myer, and I was, I was praying, Jesus, help my people that have to do this every day. I only do it a couple times a year, and I'm thinking, bless them, Lord. But Jesus was in my heart, so I was able to do it. All right, I praise music on, I'm worshiping, even though people are cutting in front of you. you know, I'm like, Jesus, help me, because I could get angry. You see, God can go with you everywhere. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus must abide in our hearts, the secret place, but you must leave him room. You must withdraw and say, God, I gave you my heart. Amen? Are you catching this? The second thing is, is they consecrated themselves. It says the priests then withdrew from the temple. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves, regardless of their divisions. The priests had various washings. They had various things that they had to prepare their heart, their mind. They had to put on special clothes to go into the Holy of Holies. And before they could do that, there were certain sacrifices that they had to do for themselves and for the people. Okay? So the consecration... Listen to this. Consecration took time and effort. And you see, in our, in our microwave age, we want faith that happens like that. And sometimes your faith takes consecration, takes dedication. It takes what? Time and effort. And it takes cutting things out of your life that aren't healthy for you, right? So consecration took effort. God required blood. Check this out. Hebrews 9.7. Let's relate this to you. Hebrews 9.7. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that had committed, they had committed out of ignorance. So once a year, the high priest on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, they, he would go into the Holy of Holies. You know, I've kind of talked about that. They had a rope on his ankle, and he would make sacrifices, and they would have, he had bells on his robe so they could hear him. And if God was pleased, then he would be fine. And then if, if God wasn't pleased with the sacrifice, they would listen and no more bells. God struck the priest dead. They pull him out. That's a scary job, right? So, holy God wants consecrated people. Now, Jesus makes us holy because you and I, the Bible says that we are sinners. And that, that our righteousness is as filthy rags, but Jesus becomes our righteousness. Amen? So then if you skip down Hebrews 9, 11, 14, do I have it? It's a little long, but listen to this. You've got to catch this. You see, God still requires that we consecrate ourselves before we come to his throne. That only comes through Jesus. Hebrews 9.11, When Christ came as high priest of the good things that were already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. This is to say, not part of, of the creation. Verse 12, He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are only outwardly clean. Verse 14, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, check this out, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad that we don't have a temple that every year we have to go to the temple offer sacrifices? Isn't that great? That Jesus offered himself once and for all, so now that you can come into the presence of God. He makes you holy. But to do that, we have to prepare our hearts, right? We have to confess our sins at times, right? We have to say, God, you're the the Lord of my life. Cleanse me with your blood. Okay, now, let her see. Let me move on, because I want you to get what God is saying. Some Levites and priests offered praise music to the Lord. 2 Chronicles 5.12 All the Levites who who were musicians... Check out this awesome name, Asaph and He-Man. No, it's Heman. 
uh, Jedathan and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing uh, cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were, they were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. Okay, so they entered... Remember this? In, in the psalm it says, Psalm 104, Enter his cage with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. They came into the presence of God with what? Praise and worship. So you wonder why most churches have, either they sing hymns or they have praise and worship. Why is that? To enter into God's presence. To prepare your heart. I mean, right? Music is generally moving, right? We talked about this. I know I repeat this. It generally stirs you. It encourages you. It, 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 it can challenge you. It can set your mood. And so, let, I'm not, please listen. I'm not trying to get religious. But check this out. It says the priests wore fine linen. They put on their Sunday best. And they did it because they had reverence for God's presence. Now, I know I'm glad that I... I'm, I'm honest. I'm glad I don't have to wear a three-piece suit. Okay? And there's times I want to just shed the tie, get rid of it sometimes. I'm glad that we don't have to, we're not so religious, but I think that when we come into God's presence, we still need to be mindful of His presence. They had a holy fear of who He was. And in the day of just kind of dressing like you want, you know, and I know sometimes you just rush around, but I encourage you, prepare your heart as you start coming to worship. Think about worship Saturday night. Say, I ought to get to bed early because I'm going to go to worship service and I want to be fully ready for God. Amen? I want, I'm going to put on whatever clothes they're going to clean, their, their, whatever. They're just going to be ready. I want to look presentable to the Lord. My mom, my mom, awesome. She would go to the doctor. And, and to me, I mean, like when I'm, you know, I clean up the shower and I just throw on shorts or whatever, whatever, sweats and go to the doctor. the doctor. Who cares? My mom would dress up like she was going to church to go to the doctor. I say, Mom, what do you? She says, Stan, I just, I want to be respectful to the doctor. Thinking, what? Okay. And so, to the doctor, so how often are we not respectful to God in His presence? Amen? That we're God, we're not prepared, we're not ready. So they, they were in their fine linens and they were fearful and they respected God's presence. And it says that every one of the priests and all the people, they, they all participated in worship. The musicians offered up their musical talents. The singers sang. And, and let me just put this little plug in. If you're a musician, you're not supposed to just be doing hip-hop music, dubstep, country rock. You're supposed to be using that instrument right here. Amen? Your voice, you, we need you up here, by the way. God didn't give you a voice to sing for the world alone. He gave you a voice for His glory. Amen? Amen? Come on. So, so, so music is stirring. That's a little extra ad there for you. Uh, and so the question is, when you come to church, are you offering your best worship to God? I'm going to do it, right? God is here. God is here. God, God is able. Is that your best? Are you coming into the holy, holiest place ready with a good attitude? I don't know that song. Pastor Stan's crazy. It's a little loud, but I'm going to raise my voice anyway. I'm going to sing. I'm going to try. Uh, whatever song is, I'm going to sing it to God. Amen? Letter D. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison. 2 Chronicles 5.13 says they joined in unison with one voice. Now, in other words, they played the same song to God. They sang together. They worshipped in unison. You know that term, we're on the same page? That's a musical concept. And can you imagine if... For, and it happens sometimes, like um, some of the songs we sang, if they were singing a different song in a different key and we were all playing different songs in different keys, what would that sound like? That would, you'd be like, I'm getting out of this place. It's already loud as it is, and, and it's, but they, they worship together in unison with one voice. 
And I don't know about you because I love music. I love music. And when I hear music and it's all, they're all singing their parts, but it's all on the same page, it's soul-stirring. Whether it's rock, hip-hop, maybe country, classical, uh, you know, love jazz, I love blues. I mean, I love all, all songs and music except for country. God hasn't, he hasn't, no offense. But even then, when it's all in unison and they're in harmony and they're on the same page, Right? Some of you, I, you're driving your car, you got your MP3 or whatever, you're home, and you're listening, and you're, what happens? You begin to get stirred up. It moves you. And there's certain music that just moves me. Like, what, I, I love, uh, 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 man, I love classical music. And, and uh, Handel's Messiah, that just moves me. When I listen to it, I want to sometimes just start crying about God and His love. Amen? And so the, 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 the priests and the Levites, they're coming in and they're playing their instruments and they're singing in unison and it pleased God. And then what happened? God's glory fills the temple. And when you and I begin to say, you know what, I, we're, on, we're one team here. Let's sing together. Let's worship together. What can happen when we unify? God's presence can fill us. And you see, when you're, when you're in the pew and you're thinking about whatever and, and, and Shelly's up here singing, God is good. And you're like, I got bills to pay. I got to do this thing. You're not. You're not in unison with us. You're holding us back. What? Yeah. Check your work at the door. Check your trials at the door. Check your text messages at the door. Amen. Come into God's presence, ready to worship on the same page. You wonder why sometimes you leave the church. Why well, didn't get anything out of it? Because you weren't checked in. You never checked in. And you can't come into God's presence just flippantly, well, whatever, God. Well, I'm here. No, man, God is holy. He's worthy, amen? Okay, I'll move on. I know you got excited about that. Letter E, it says, they, accompanied, they, they were accompanied by musical instruments and they raised their voices in praise. They raised their voices, it says. In, in, uh, later on, it says, symbols, instruments, and they raised their voices in praise to the Lord, singing, He is good. There are quiet times. And there are times when God makes us quiet. But then there's times when it's loud. And it gets clamorous. It gets exciting. It, worship should also be moving, stirring, quiet still. But it also should be stirring and moving and loud sometimes. Amen? There are times that you must raise your voice. I mean, you go and you watch your favorite soccer team, your favorite football team, your favorite musician. Your fa- you get all excited and you cheer. I mean, it's funny when people go to these sports, they paint their faces. They spend, they'll throw down thousands of dollars for a sporting event. Oh, I worship the Redskins. Oh, praise the Redskins. Oh, I worship the... You know I mean? They, they go all out. And then when they come to church... Gosh, is he asking for money? Gosh! Stupid dollar. Have that dollar. Gosh, what's wrong with this church? And every, every time they go on Sunday mornings to the Redskins, there's an offering. And people, they throw lots of money in those offerings. Amen? Come on, you season ticket holders, right? Bless you. And when the Broncos come in town, you need to invite me to that game, by the way. Love you. But you see, that they, were, they raised their voices and they gave their best. In Psalm 149, 3-4, it says, let them praise His name with dancing. What? And make music to Him with tambourines and a harp. What? For the Lord takes delight in His people. He crowns the humble with salvation. The Hebrew word for, one of the Hebrew words for praise is halal. It means to shine. Listen to this. It means to shine, to show, to, to be clamorously foolish, to, to rave about somebody, to celebrate them. 
God is here. God is here. That's not raving. That's not halal praise. Hallelujah. We get that word hallelujah. So that means that you rave about God. Wow. Did you know God is good? He is able. Amen. Come on. When the worship goes, you should get excited. You need to read Psalm 150 sometime. It's awesome. Our flesh can get excited. I mean, I'm, I love football, tackle football. I love watching soccer. I love all that. But, and I get excited, but I get more excited in God's presence. I get excited and charged up coming here on Sunday morning. It's not the coffee I drink. It's God. It's you. I love being together with you. I love preaching. I love wanting to hear from God. I would love for God to take control of everything we do. You see, the people were excited. They were giving their best. And your flesh needs to get in. You need to put your flesh into perspective. Flesh, God, is more important than any sports team, any singer, any movie. Amen? 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 All right, you're with me. Worship opens up our flesh and aligns it with the Spirit of God. And you're open, and so you've got to sing. It's refreshing. The second part, let's talk about God's glory fills the temple. Verse 13, 14 says, The temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Letter A, write this down. It's very simple. Filled with a cloud. The temple of the Lord... Listen, it's the temple of the Lord. It represents the sometimes called the house of God. In, in the King James, sometimes they call it the house, or some other verses call it the house of the Lord. The Hebrew word for temple is bayet, or bit, or beth. Okay? Bethlehem, right? House of bread, Bethel, house of God. And so, the Hebrew word, it, it really means, it also doesn't mean a dwelling, but it means family dwelling. Bit, beth, bayet, means the family dwelling. So it wasn't just a build, it wasn't just a worship stone cold building. It was God. This is my family. This is the Beth Bethlehem. This is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is my family. Do you understand what I'm getting? You're getting. You see what I'm saying? And so, so here it is. It says the glory, God's presence filled His family's house. You see, and then later on in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the 120 believers were praying in the upper room and God's Spirit fell upon them and He filled them with His presence. The family of God was filled with the presence of God. Amen? You see what's happening? The significance is the cloud, there could be no doubt that when they saw the cloud of God come upon the temple, there was no doubt in their mind, that is God's presence. They saw it, they knew about it from hearing about Joshua and Moses and saying that at, day, at the night time, the, the, the cloud came at night and the fire came during the day. It, it filled the tabernacle, tabernacle uh, a few times. And so now they're seeing with their own. There is no doubt that is God. You see, there are people in your world that are searching for answers. And you have God in you, but you're keeping Him hidden. And God says, I don't want to just live in you. I want to come out of your life. I want my glory to fill you, my temple, my family. And so I want to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not just to, so you can have tongues, interpretations, and church service, but that the presence of God flows from your life, in your workplaces, in your homes. In, I mean, to that boss that is yelling at you all the time. He needs God. Your family members who are, who are addicted, you, whatever's going on, they need God and the presence of God. You're hiding it. Oh, it's good. I like it. No, God says, yeah, I want you to like it, but I want to pour it out of you. You're my family, Right? And so let God fill you. And I'm not going to read it. Look at Acts 2, uh, 2 through 6 because I want to move on. I want to get on to, to what else is happening here. The second part of this, letter B, number, two, number 3, is 
Um, they could not perform their service. The priests could not perform their service. In fact, in the King James, it says that the priests could not stand up under the, the glory of God. I talked about this the last couple of weeks, that, that there, there are times when, when God wants to interrupt your routine. He wants to interrupt our worship services if we give Him time. He will interrupt your day. In fact, if you ever notice, Jesus didn't have like, you know, he didn't pull out his palm device or he didn't pull out his smartphone and the, the you know, the apostles or the, the disciples. Jesus, what are we doing? Well, let's see, we've got Miracle Galilee, uh, feeding of 5,000. Uh, let's see, next month. He, it was interruptions where God's glory came upon the life of the people. They were interruptions. And some of us were so tight with our schedule. Church better be done at 12 o'clock because I got this, this, and this. My Bible study is from 6.45. To, you know, God better speak to me now. And if not, forget it. You have got to relax some and allow God's presence to overwhelm your schedule, overwhelm your time. Amen? You need to sometimes, in fact, being with God, listen to this, being with God took precedence over doing for God, for the priest. They were trained for this. They, okay, we do this, we ceremonial, we walk in certain ways, we bow, we, we sacrifice. God interrupted that. And so sometimes we get so busy doing for God, we forget about being with God. Amen? Be with God because He wants to know you. Amen? It's good stuff, right? His presence was so thick that they could not stand it. And I've talked about this. You, some of you have experienced this. Sometimes the, 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 the presence of God is so gloriously overwhelming that we have to be on our face before God. I know some of you don't like that. And I don't, know, I don't know your church background, your faith background. I grew up in a church that we were anti the gifts of the Spirit. And then when I went to college, I met Spirit-filled believers. And I said, there's something refreshing about their faith. Thank God for my church. I learned the Bible. I learned to love God. I learned how to witness about Christ. But then when I met these spirit-filled believers, I said, there is something they have and I want it. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so when I went to church and I was a little afraid of, you know, because, you know, you, you see the, the weird, excuse me, you see the people on TV and they push people, you know, and they get all weird and blowing on people and whoosh, punching people. Yeah, fall out. Of course you're going to fall out when you get punched or kicked by somebody. You know, oh, it hurts. You know, and so, so, that, so then I went to a church and the, and the, and the, guy, and the pastors were, they were, one of my friends, it was a hyper-Pentecostal church, I mean, and, and he was literally trying to push us, like, get down! And I was like, no, I'm not going down, man, come on! <laughs> and and so, so they're like, well, you're just resistant to those, but no, I'm just resistant to you trying to push me down. And so, but see, but now we've become so defensive, come on, man. Come on, God. Come on, Pastor. Come on. You don't put that oil on me. Come on. i got ninja skills, man. And you don't want God to move in your life. And you miss out maybe someone just tapping you. Because you know, I never push people. I tap you. I'll just put a little oil on you. If you want to go out and the Holy Spirit knocks you out, boom. And someone did last week or the week before that. And there are times when you've just got to give God. And there have been times when I have been on my face because His presence was so powerful. I had to get on my face. I couldn't get up. I mean, literally, I'm trying to push up. I can do a couple push-ups. And I couldn't push up. God's presence was so heavy on me, but it was so glorious. I came away from there refreshed, renewed, excited, and, and with a new life. And so sometimes at church, you've got to give God opportunity to take over. When you're at home, you're driving. I mean, be careful driving. You know, don't go on to glory. Whoa, wow. Woo. You know, then that, the, oh, that drunk in the spirit thing, you know. Uh, let God fill you up. Amen? 
You see, the, the spirit of the world takes from you, right? How many of you, are, you're, you're energized from your schooling and your work, and you're like so excited. You're, I mean, you're, it just sucks life out of you, right? I hear people often, work sucks. It's just a job. And you see, God says, okay, if it's just a job, but let me fill you up with my presence. Let me interrupt your routine. Amen? i got to move on. Number three, preparing. Preparing your temple for God. Letter A, surrender your life to God. If you've never surrendered your life to God, you need to surrender your life to God. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, just as the priests had to withdraw from the temple, you have to withdraw from your temple. And you have to say, God, I give you permission to have your way in my life. All must come out so God can come in. You've got to surrender your pride. You've got to surrender your, your victories, your strengths, your weaknesses. You've got to surrender those little things that you think He doesn't see. God sees all things. You can't hide anything. So stop trying to say, God, take it. Take it. You must give Him control. Well, I, I don't want to be a weirdo. No, you're going to be filled with God's presence. Filled with His goodness. You're going to have purpose. There will be days when the world is against you, but God is for you. There are days when it's tough. I was reminded, I was at a chaplain's training this weekend and we heard uh, Chaplain Barry Black who is now the, the chaplain for the Senate. He's a godly man. And he talked about how his mom had passed away. And he said before his mom passed away, he, he prayed in faith that his mom was going to be good and he prayed scripture over it. He said, he said every prayer from that point on, God did not deny his prayers. And that moment on, his mom passed away. It was kind of a weird thing. They gave her the wrong medicine in the hospital. She passes away. And he's mad at God and all that. And then, of course, God gets a hold of him. And, and God basically said, you have been pampered all your life. You need to be ready for some tough times that you're going to face as a chaplain in the Navy and then as a chaplain to the Senate. And that's when the presence of God needs to come. You're like, you've got to surrender. You've got to let go and say, God, I don't care what's going to happen as long as I'm with you. You're going to take care of me. Amen? Come on, amen? All right, so let me move on. You, you've got to give up your life. Surrender. Letter B is consecrate yourself. Consecrate. Just as the priests had to prepare their hearts and their bodies, we must prepare our heart and our mind and our soul. I, I know I tease about this, okay? But I'm challenging you on Saturday nights. Don't stay up late. Late. Go to bed early. Come ready. Come have some coffee at 9.30. Go to our Sunday school classes. Amen, Right? Man, if you don't drink coffee, then just come and be ready. Say, man, I'm going to be prepared. Prepare your heart. Say, I want to be here. I want, I want God to move. And in the same sense, we must consecrate ourselves. We must renounce the world. In fact, let me read these scriptures to you. I've got to read these to you. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterers, and this isn't very nice, but this is what James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy, an enemy of God. Then 1 John 2, listen to this. Uh, 15 through 17 do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world the cravings of the sinful nature the lust of the eyes the boasting of what he has and, and does comes not from the father but from the world listen to this verse 17 the world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of God lives forever we must sometimes consecrate ourselves from the world system 
Some of you, I'm going to say this very nice, you need to be delivered from politics. I mean, if you, politics is, is more divisive in our nation than it ever has been in, in, in any history that I've seen. Some of you are so into your politics that you can't even talk to another person of another political party. You need to be delivered of that. Come on, amen? Or you're so into race or your status or whatever, you've got to be delivered from that stuff. Say, God, this world is nothing. The world and all its treasures are going to burn away, but my love for you and your love for me is going to last forever. Amen? So some of us, we're, we're too friendly with the world. We've got to say, I don't want the ways of the world. I want the ways of God. I'm not calling you to be weird. I'm not calling you to abandon everything. I'm just saying don't love the things of the world because they're temporary. God is forever. Your relationship with God is forever. Amen? So we have to consecrate ourselves. Consecration also means preparing oneself for service for God. The priests, the Levites, they prepared themselves. They trained. They practiced their music. They, they knew the scriptures. Everyone had something to do or everyone had something to offer at the temple of God. Get this, right? Every believer has something to do or offer to the building of God's kingdom. 1 Peter 4.10 Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Every one of you are gifted. You hear me say that often. Your gifts are not just for your workplace. Your gifts are not just for the government. Your gifts are not just for your school. Your gifts are not just for the sports field. Your gifts are for the house of God. If you, if you read about when they were preparing the temple, God prepared craftsmen and, and all these people. They all did their part to prepare the temple. You are the temple. You have a job in the kingdom of God. And you need to use the gifts in for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? So that's part of consecration. Let me move on. Letter C, they offered up their praise. They offered up their praise. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You don't have to kill anybody anymore. You're just saying, here I am, God. I'm offering myself up to you. This is an act of spiritual worship. And then he says... Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Each one of us are to offer ourselves as an act of worship. You're to say, God, I will go and do whatever you want me to do. God, during the worship service, I am yours. I'm here for you. I'm singing this song for you. I'm lifting my hands for you. I'm dancing. I'm on my face before you. For you. I don't care about anyone else around me. You need to be delivered if you're always concerned about what other people think about you. Just say, man, I'm, I'm worshiping God. I'm worshiping God. I want, I want to offer up my praise. You see, many times, and I'm just being honest with you, many times we offer up our leftovers to God. We've poured 80 hours of work into work or school, and we come to church just wiped out. And you're, Pastor, I can't stand. I'm tired. It's hard for me to lift my hands up. You need to rearrange some stuff then. You need to you know what? Work is just work. God's not going to ask me about all the hours I put in work. He's going to ask me what I did to worship Him. How many, people, how many people I led to Him. How many people I discipled. How many things that I do to help the church, the kingdom of God all over the world. Amen? What you do for God is going to last, not the stuff of the world. Now, you can do great things at your work. You can discover great things, and that's awesome. But a lot of times we give God our leftovers, and sometimes we come empty-handed. You see, in, in the Old Testament, the people were not to come to the temple empty-handed. And if they were, even if they were broke, the priest had some other sacrifices that they could bring. 
And especially when they came into the holy place, they were never to come empty-handed. And how many times do you and I, we come to church always wanting God to give us? Give me, God. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Come on, i got empty hands. God, fill them up. Come on, come on, come on. Fill it up, Lord. Fill it up. Come on. Fill it up, Lord. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come on, God. Come on. You said give. And how many times have you said, how many t- I'm going to give. I'm just going to worship God. i got five bucks. That's all i got. I'm going to give it. I have nothing. I'm just going to lift my hands up. I, I don't have money, but I have talents. I'm going to give them to God. Do you see what I'm saying? In American culture, it's all about what you can get out of God. It's saying, God, what can I give to you? The holy God of the universe who created, we come empty-hearted, empty-handed. And there are times when you're just wiped out. I understand that. But you've got to get over this American mentality. God's here to give me. You know, you're here to give to God as well. Worship, praise, talents, your, your, your finances. God requires a tenth. That's, that's Old and New Testament. In fact, it, it, it was interesting because it says this. In 2 Chronicles 5, 6, and I'm getting down to the end. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing, listen to this, so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. That was extravagant worship. They spared no expense for God. Think about that. I mean, we don't live in a grave. You and I, when we think of goat, sheep, and, and, and all that stuff, we think about... You see, I'm in the fields driving around. You say, man, I need some hamburger. You go to the grocery store, right? I want, I want some rack of lamb. Mm, that's, that's good. I'm, I need some chicken. You go to the store. This society, this was their living. The grain, the, the animals was part of their agrarian society. It cost them to offer their best to God. And not only did they offer their best, but they even gave more to the point that they couldn't even count. And they offered these things, and God was so pleased that they sacrificed for Him. And he blessed them. He poured out his spirit. And you see, a lot of times we've got to get rid of this. God bless me. He said, God, I want to bless you. Is your worship extravagant? Amen? You see, some, some, uh, one pastor estimated that, that the, the equivalent today, if you went off the mark, livestock market today, that they gave $150 million worth of livestock to God. They spared no expense building the temple. Solomon poured in from his own money to build the temple. And God blessed him abundantly. Every time he tried to outgive God, God gave more. And a lot of times we come into church and we're like, I'm going to give you a dollar, God. Go ahead. It's all yours, Lord. Come on. It's all yours, God. Have it. Go. Get, go, God. I'm, have it. God doesn't like that attitude. Amen? He gave you your job. He gave you your brain. He gives you the air to breathe. He gives you the song in your heart. He wants you to praise Him with it all. I'm not here for your money. I'm here for you to experience God, to enjoy God. But the problem is in our society, money is everything, right? Especially around here. I mean, you, it's expensive to live here. I understand that. It's hard to live here. But you've got to let God be God in your life. You've got to say, okay, I, I don't have much money, but I'm going to be extravagant in worship. When the church says they need something, I'm going to go and help. I'm going to teach, and by the way, God bless all of you that work and do things in the church. And those of you who don't, say, God, am I being extravagant with this or am I being stingy with this? You need to go and give your worship to God. Amen? Our giving can be the things that we do, the things that we say, inviting people, helping kids, blessing families, whatever it is, it could be an act of worship. 
God blessed the children of Israel because they were extravagant in their worship. The presence of God came. If you go a couple chapters over, we're not going to do there, but a couple chapters over, as I said, they sacrificed again. And then the fire of God fell upon the sacrifices and then the glory of God came on the temple again. God loves it when we worship Him. God loves it when we're extravagant and say, man, God, I want to play all that. I want to do whatever I want. So let's talk about this. God's glory can fill us. Number four, we're down to the end. God's glory can fill us. Letter A, unite with God. Unite with God and other believers. I'm running out of time, but let me read this to you. Psalm 133. This is the unity. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. Listen to this. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life. In other words, when a church is united, God's anointing is on the church. That's what, that's what he was signifying, the beard, the oil. When they anointed, I mean, we do, we do sissy anointing in, in the church today. We dab you the little oil. Back then they would take the whole vessel and they would pour it over the head. It would run down the head and talk about Aaron's beard all over their, their collar. In other words, they were drenched with God's presence. And I want you to say, I want to be drenched with God's presence. I want to be filling where it, it comes off and that people rub it and they say, I want that. I need that. I, want, I, I remember talking about talking to a couple friends who, who went back when the Pensacola, the Brownsville Revival was happening. This guy, a pastor friend of mine, had went to that, he went to that conference because he wanted to see what God was doing. And the, the anointing was on him. He was driving his car from Pensacola, Florida, back to Colorado. And they stopped at a gas station somewhere. And, and this, guy, this guy saw him and said, what, Who are you and what are you doing? This is a stranger. Because God's presence was on him. And he said, I was at Pensacola. And the guy begins to start weeping. He begins to start crying. He's like, I want what you want. I, I used to serve God, but I need to get back. I mean, the presence of God was so... He didn't have to say anything. That's how God wants to work in our lives sometimes. I heard of stories where, where kids were... They were at this Pensacola revival, and, and they were in schools. They were bumping into lockers, and kids were getting saved and healed because the presence of God, the anointing flowed off of their lives. You see, we want just enough oil to keep that oil life from coming on in our car, right? In our spirit. We just want just enough oil. I just want enough of the Holy Spirit just to keep me barely from burning out. God says, I want to give you to overflowing. I want it to overflow out of your life and so you can be filled. Amen? The anointing comes on a church that unites in purpose. We're not arguing about what songs. We're not arguing about the color of the carpet. We're not mad about this and that. And, the, and this is a great church. It is. It's a great church. I rarely hear about of division. But it does happen in the body of Christ. And you see, when a church is divided, God's anointing is not on that church. When a church is united, it doesn't say uniform, but it says united. Everyone was different, but yet they had one purpose. We have one purpose. That's to worship God. Amen? One purpose, to reach people and disciple and, and to, to be the hands of Christ to our world. Remember how I mentioned how moving it is when a band or a choir, an orchestra plays together united? Now think how bad it is when, when, because I'm a musician, I have to be careful not to judge, and I'm not the best musician by all means. You just saw that this morning. But I can hear sometimes, God has given me good hearing, and I can hear when people are off or they're out of step. And, and, and sometimes you don't notice, but then, then you, sometimes you really notice, right? and what happens to you? You're like, oh, ugh. and they're like, God is here, God is here. You know, you're like, what is that, you know, right? And so sometimes, think about a church when it's out of unity. 
how it sounds to the community around them. When they're arguing about foolish things. When they're mad about foolish things. And God's like, I can't put my anointing on that. You guys got to unite. Unite. Put aside foolishness. Allow me to pour out my glory on you so people will know me. Amen? It's beautiful when the church is united. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, they were united and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Letter B, be open. Be open to the filling of the Spirit. Some of you are afraid of it. Once the cloud filled the temple, the priests could not perform their duties. God filled the early church with the Holy Spirit and it was evident to those around them. In fact, I don't have time to read it, but it, uh, it, it says that, that they saw, the, the people in the community saw something happening in the, in the hundreds of people. They ran over there and said, what is going on? And, and Peter was able to preach, and on that day, over 3,000 people got saved. That's what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. God draws people to us because we're Spirit-filled and Spirit-empowered. Amen? His presence, He wants to be in the local congregation. He wants you to be His presence at work, in school, on the beltway, in the metro, where the lab, the shop, wherever you're at. He wants His presence to be in your place. Are you willing to allow God's glory to fill you, His temple? Will you allow him to you to be a vessel? Will you allow yourself to go in his power? Let her see go in his power. It says that they were devoted to the things of God and that God met their needs and many signs and wonders happened and then added to that church was 3,000 people. You wonder why some churches are growing leaps and bounds and why some churches just maintain? Scripture tells us why. They were, those churches are united in a purpose, they're filled with the Spirit and they, they go. And when a church says, we're just barely holding on, $30,000, gosh, that's a lot of money. Oh, man, pastor, here's a dollar. Here, put a dollar in there, that'll help. It will. But when we say, you know what, this is my church, I want to take care of it. I want to reach the people, God, send your spirit on us. Not just the building, but send your spirit on us. Oh, let's go out, Lord, let the presence of God be in us, amen? The world is going to suck you dry, Amen? The lifeless religions of the world drive people crazy. The love of God fills you up with goodness. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we want you today. We need your presence. Amen. Everyone stand up. Please, Lord, we need you. We want your presence to be manifest in our temples. We are your temples. Some of us this morning, God, we need to give up. We need to surrender, God. We need to let go, Lord God, so your presence can fill us. Father, your message was awesome. Today, this is an awesome message, Lord God. I pray that we would be like the children of Israel. They were extravagant. They, should, they, they held back nothing. They worshipped you and your presence, your glory fell down. Help us to start living like that. We hold back nothing for you, God. And then your presence will fill us. It will empower us. It will anoint us, God. And you will do great things around us. So, Lord, would you unite us? Unite us in your presence. Unite us with your power, Lord God. The Lord wants to touch some of you right now. He wants to refresh you. And I'm just going to open the altars up. If you want to come and say, God, I want all that you have for me. God, I want, I want to be filled with your goodness. I want to be filled with your presence. I want to be filled with your provision. I want to be filled with your power. Just come to the front right now. Say, God, the world is draining from me. I want to be filled right now. This world has nothing, and I don't want to give my life to the world. I want to be filled with the goodness. Come on, if that's you, say, I want God's goodness. I want His power. I want to be refreshed. Maybe some of you say, I, I want God's glory to be evident in my church and in my life. And that's you. Come on to the front. Say, God, I want your presence to be evident in my life. 
I want your presence to be evident in my family and in my church. Come on down. Come on. Some of you this morning, you need to surrender your whole heart. You, you're still holding on to a couple things. Just come down and say, God, I want to give it all, God. I want to, I want to get out of the way so God can fill my holy holies with His presence. Uh, come on down if that's you. Come on and let's move to the sides. Come on, just move to the sides if you need to. Just say, I want to surrender my whole heart. Some of you say, I need to consecrate myself. I've allowed the things of the world to fill me. I want to get rid of that junk. Come on, that's you. I'm not pointing fingers. Come on down. I want to get rid of the things of the world. I want to consecrate my spirit. I want to consecrate my life. Come on to the front. So the first thing I said, if you want God's goodness, His presence, His provision, His power, come on to the front. Some of you say, I want God's glory to be evident in my life. Come to the front. Some of you say, I've got to surrender my whole heart. There's things I'm holding on to. Some of you say, I need to consecrate myself. I'm in love with some of the things of the world. I don't want to be in love with that anymore. I don't want to have that holding on to my life anymore. I want to be free. I want you to come down. And lastly, some of you need to say, I want to be able to give my heart and fully worship God. Not be afraid. I want to just surrender and I want to be filled with His goodness. Come on, that's you. I, want to, I don't want to be afraid. I want to offer my best in worship. I want to be extravagant with my worship. I don't want to give Him leftovers. I want to give Him all I have. Come on to the front right now. That's you saying, I want to give my all to the Lord. Father God, would you fill every person that came down today with your glory? Would you fill this congregation with your glory, God? Would you move in our hearts today? Would you fill and meet needs today? God, yes, we have financial needs, spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs. But God, today, in the name of Jesus, we want the anointing. I'm going to pray and anoint you with oil. I want God's presence to be upon you. I want His goodness to be upon you. I want His presence, His wisdom, His knowledge to be upon you in your work, your school, your family. Heal bodies. Heal minds. Heal spirits today. Do the work of God today. Do the work of God today, Father God. Fill us, Lord. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. We want to give you our ultimate. We want to give extravagant worship. We want to worship you in everything today, God. We give you our all, Lord Jesus. We give you our all, Lord Jesus. We want everything that you have for us. We want the glory of God to fill us, God. We want to be filled with your power. We want to be filled with your presence, God. We want to just come and be your people, God. We want to be your light to our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. We want to be healed. We want to be refreshed. We want to be restored, God. We want to do the great things of God today. In the name of Jesus, we want to do the great things of God today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, just begin to worship Him. Begin to call out on Him. It says that they raise their voices. They begin to worship Him. Just say, I love you, God. I worship you, God. You are my God. You're worthy. Come on, it says that He is good. His love endures forever. Just say that He is good. His love endures forever. Let the glory of God fill you. Your marriage needs to be filled with the glory of God. Your singleness needs to be filled with the glory of God. Your job needs the glory of God. Your worship needs the glory. This church needs the glory of God. Father, fill us today with the glory of God. Never let our worship be dull and boring. Never let us ever come to your presence empty-handed, but giving you something, God, our worship, our praise, our gifts, our talents, our treasures. Say, God, you're worthy because you set us free, God, because of Jesus and what he did for us. Come on, church, just begin to worship him. Oh, God, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We need your presence. We need to be manifest in our lives. Our world needs a church that has the presence of God in it. Government's not answering the problems. Money's not answering the problems. The global uh, market's not solving problems. God, the church has the answer. The church has the answer. It's Jesus. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God. So full that when we go get a gas, God, we're in a grocery store, we're walking in the hallways, the presence of God is poured out on people's lives and they're healed, they're restored, they're drawn back to you, God. Let that be our lives, God. Lord, cleanse us from the things of the world. 
We don't want the garbage of the world. Cleanse us of the junk we watch on TV, the garbage we listen to, God, the stuff that, that we read that's filth. Deliver us from the ways of the world, God. And God, thank you for our jobs. Thank you for our cars and our homes and our condos and our apartments. But Lord, that doesn't make us who we are. You make us who we are, God. So we don't want to get caught up in the ways of the world. We want to get caught up in the ways of God. Fill us, God. Fill us to overflowing, God. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. Fill, refresh, anoint, empower in the name of Jesus. Refresh marriages, singles. Refresh teenagers. Refresh all people, God. Heal bodies today. You want to heal bodies. Provide financial miracles, Lord. Provide relational miracles. Provide, Lord, peace and, and encouragement in people that are, dist- are stressed or they're depressed. God, lift that yoke of bondage upon their lives today. There are some of us who are in bondage of the fear of the world. God, we don't need to fear the world. We have overcome because of Jesus. Father, pour out your spirit right now. Do your work right now, God. Do your work right now. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Come on, just worship Him right now. A couple more minutes. Just worship Him. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Jesus. You alone are worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You alone. You're worthy, God. You're worthy. You're worthy, God. We glorify you, Jesus. Guys, can you find that song? He's worthy alone. You alone are worthy, God. Let's sing that. You alone are worthy. You alone. You alone. You alone are worthy of our praise forever. You. Come on, just sing it out. You're worthy, God. Worthy, God. Glorify you, Jesus. Glorify you, Jesus. Unite us, God. Unite us, God. Unite us, Father God. Friends, here's the last thing I want to say to us this morning. The musicians have played. You want to stay in the altar, you can. I'm going to ask you because God wants to fill you to overflowing. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be like Daniel. Daniel was the second most highest in his nation. God gave him supreme wisdom, knowledge, and protection. God wants the children of God to start being like that in their workplaces, in their homes, in their schools. He doesn't want you just getting by. He wants you to be the best. But that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That comes from the glory of God being on you. They knew that Daniel had the glory of God in their lives. And God wants to fill you with glory. Don't be afraid of it. When you're worshiping in your home, in your car, when you're worshiping in your garden, you're working out, put the worship music on. Get a CD with a Bible and put that in your, your car. Put it on your MP3 and begin to just refresh your mind because the world's just going to drain you. Be filled with God's Spirit. Amen? And lastly, would you pray that God's glory would fill this house and every gospel-preaching church, every church that calls themselves a church, that God's family would be filled with His presence. Amen? so that the world will be changed because you see, you see the church needs to rise up. We are the church. Amen? You have the answer, but you need to be filled up to overflowing. So, Father, we want your glory to fill us every time we come to worship, 
Every time we're in Bible study, every time we're in Sunday school, every time we're at home looking at our Bible, any time we're worshiping in our car with our MP3 around the garden or working out, that God, your glory fills us to overflowing and that the world sees it and they run to it and say, what is that? I need that. That we're not afraid because we have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, fill us. Fill us with the glory. Let the Rauk, let the Numa, let the Shekinah glory, this, this, and I didn't talk about it, but the Kabod, the Kabod of God, the, the presence of God, the heaviness of God to be upon us so that that presence can be out to our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, people we run into in the restaurants, in the shops, who need the gospel, who need the presence of God. Lord, let us not be satisfied by the temporary, temporary things of the world, but you are eternal.